Apple presents events at the Apple Store. All right, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our guest moderator, Eric Cohn. Hey, guys. So excited for this. Um, we've had a great series of events with the Apple Store this year, and I really want to thank them for working with us at IndieWire this year. And the last few, it's just really great to showcase all these different movies at the Tribeca Film Festival. And this one in particular is going to be a really exciting one to talk about. I saw it a little while back, and I was really stunned by how different it was uh, to see an actor like this who I'm sure all of you are already familiar with in this kind of a movie. And that's always something really exciting to see. And we do have him here today. We also have the director, Henry Hobson. But before we bring them out, let's take a look at the trailer. protected me all my life. Now it's my turn to protect you. There is life with you, not with me. Don't come looking for me. I'm safe. I'm fine. Mr. Vogel, I would normally release someone with this type of infection. signs of aggression and hunger. When that happens, say your goodbyes and get her straight into quarantine. I made a promise to your mother that I will protect you. Rules plot everybody, Okay, please join me in welcoming director Henry Hobson and Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger. Hello. So it's safe to say that this is not your average Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. And perhaps the best way to start talking about it is to have you, Arnold, explain why that is. Why, why this kind of movie and why now? Well, I came across uh, the script um, because my agent uh, brought it to me, and but he didn't bring it to me like all the other scripts. He just kept saying to me, read it right away, read it right away, give me a response, because this is one of my favorite scripts I've ever read, and it was very passionate about the project. And then uh, I read it, and I read it again, and I saw why he loved it that much, that it was a very unique story. It was, um, you know, a story, the most a human kind of a story. And um, I think because of that uh, father-daughter relationship and because of that drama, 
and now having been a parent myself for 25 years, I could really relate to the story and, and to the, the horrible thing that the, the parent has to go through when they see their child die. I mean, it's the worst fear that every parent has. And um, so I really was attracted to the story. And then I, uh, of course, got in touch uh, with him. And Henry uh, was really, even though he has never directed a movie before, but had a very clear vision of where he wanted to go with the movie and the way he explained it to me, the way he showed me the photographs. And he had a whole album filled with photographs of each scene, of what the look would be and so on. And I was so impressed with the, how well prepared he was that and I got to like him right away. And so we started working together and we started going out and making a commitment. Then they raised the money and we did the movie. And I, I tell you, it was one of those stories, uh, like I said, the most human story and the most human uh, story about, about uh, zombies I've ever seen. And um, it's, it's also a story that I would not have been able to do 30 years ago. You know, when I did all my action movies, I think that they would not be able to relate to it as the way I relate to it now. And um, <clears throat> I really enjoyed working with Henry these five weeks, and I think the movie came out spectacularly. So Henry, I mean, it's not just not your average Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, it's also not your average zombie movie, as Arnold was saying, uh, and it seems like you're hitting on a lot of different ways that the genre can be a metaphor for certain things, but it, it, it also feels like there's something fresh about using the drama to deal with this scenario, so how, what was sort of your reaction to it when you first encountered the material? Well, I worked on a few video game projects and commercials and there was a lot of kind of creatures and monsters involved so I got sent every script that related to any kind of zombie, zombies underwater, zombies above the tree line, zombies everywhere and Maggie stood out because it, it was completely different. It's not about zombies, it's about a girl who's going through the trauma of her life coming to an end. The family around that girl the community around that family and it's a very small film and the only thing I quite I mean it started started work on it four and a half years ago maybe five years ago and at that time I was working on The Walking Dead at that same time and then three years later I was working on The Last of Us and the video game and so I've I've played with the the zombie world and so Maggie stood out was like Oh, this is this is even richer than than those projects in many ways. It tells a very much more human story. It tells a story of a father who was a pillar of his community, um, coming to terms with the vulnerability and the loss of a daughter. And so, uh, when um, Arnold first came uh, on board with the project, I got incredibly excited. It it's a direct mirror. You've got somebody who's immensely has succeeded in every film that he's ever done. He wins, you know, the Predator, Terminator, always winning, always helping, or always uh, functioning to, to make things better. And, and with Maggie, it's, it's the opposite. It's like, how do you cope with the, the loss? How do you cope with not winning? Your family hasn't won, they've lost. And I think it was really exciting being able to use that and use Arnold as an actor to be able to bring that to life. And these are really heavy themes for a first feature, although you're, you're not a newcomer, you've done, done all these title designs, you work for the Academy Awards and so forth. At the same time, there's nothing quite like directing your first film. So Arnold, 
you haven't worked with a lot of first-time directors. Was there something different, or did you anticipate anything differently about working with somebody who, who had never directed a feature before? Well, I've, I've worked uh, in the past with uh, directors that have had done little movie work. Um, I remember James Cameron, when they did Terminator, the first Terminator, he only has done one movie before then. Uh, but I think what is important not is how many movies you've done, but also what's I think more important is, is uh, what vision do you have and how passionate you're about the project. And I think that Henry, for instance, had a very, very clear vision of where he wanted to go and what the movie should look like as a finished product. And that, I think, is more important than anything. And uh, he knew exactly the way the scenes ought to be played, and he knew the rhythm of the movie. And I think that what you want from a director is someone that is very strong and has a very strong vision and then therefore can guide you through the movie because you know, you as an actor, you always try to put out and you try to do your best, but then you need to know if you should dial it up, if you should be more quiet, if it's a more subtle kind of a scene or so, because he has the, really the vision of the whole picture. Whereas an actor, you look at scene by scene by scene and you also look at, of course, the, 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 the total picture. But, I think he was very helpful in, in, in directing and I knew right away when we met and when we started rehearsing that that's the kind of a director he would be on a set. And to me that was very important. And uh, you know, it was a very complicated kind of a movie, like you said, because you're playing someone that is physically very strong and someone that has been going from movie to movie and uh, wiping out the armies and wiping out the enemy and all this stuff. Uh, and destroying and crushing everything, especially when you play a machine like in Terminator, which was a movie I did right after this one, uh, right, of, right after Maggie. Uh, so this is quite different. Here you have to come to the realization that you know your daughter is dying, and no matter how much strength you have, and uh, you know, and how big you are, but I mean, you have no power over this illness. It is power over you, and so it becomes more kind of like a real a story about the love and about the st how strong love is. My love for her, that I don't want her to go the normal route, which is to go into quarantine where she gets a shot and she dies in a painful death. Uh, I wanted to protect her from that. And so the question was, would I have to give her that shot at home or would I have to kill her with a shotgun like the doctor has recommended? My very good friend that is helping me along in this story is telling me, here, take this cocktail, take this shot you would have to give it to her maybe in a week or two. And uh, oh, I would advise you to, to use this, and he points at the shotgun. So, you know, that's very, uh, a really dramatic thing to, to go through and then to act that out. Uh, so that's, I think, what was so appealing to me was that, was that I could play something totally opposite of what I've played up until now, something very dramatic, something that where you don't rely on, you know, kicking some serious ass out there, but, I mean, uh, but we just have to really kind of get into this whole relationship with your daughter and act off her because she had also this tremendous love for me and she wanted to protect me. She knew that within a short period of time she's going to be very dangerous and that she could at night come and kill me or bite me and infect me with the zombie virus. And so there's this whole thing about me protecting her, her protecting me uh, and, all, and so that uh, I think was, was very appealing because, like I said, I have children and, uh, you know, I think this is the worst nightmare that you could go through if you have something like this actually happen. Or if it's a zombie virus or if your child has cancer, whatever it may be, you know, it's a terrible situation to be in. Now, before we take a look at a clip, Henry, Henry as Arnold's saying, I mean, that 
his past as a movie star is no secret, clearly. So when you were directing this role, which is very quiet and, and sort of internalized in certain ways, I mean, did, did you feel like you were seeing a different side to this actor sort of come to life in front of you? Well, I mean, my interpretation of the role was that, uh, and the, the way we discussed it very early on, is Wade is a farmer. Farmers are very isolated, insular people. They, they keep to themselves. They get up at 3 a.m., they go through, they do the work, they're alone most of the time. So most of the, the conversations are going to be very minimal. And so what we look to, to do is, in a similar way to Clint Eastwood in Unforgiven, there's a, there's a stoicism, there's a way in which he in, he's internalizing everybody's thoughts. He's, he's looking at every conversation, listening to everything, and then slowly releasing that emotion. And so being, uh, having that collaboration and being able to bring that out you see these really touching scenes where you're able to see Arnold analyzing and Wade as a character analyzing the situation and slowly it all building up. He doesn't know what to do. Nobody knows what to do in this zombie virus world. And so I think what's really powerful is you get a sense of there is no solution. There's, and what's great about Arnold with the history and with all the past characters is you always think that he's got the solution. There's, there's a trick up his sleeve. And I think there's something nice about the vulnerability of someone not quite knowing what is the solution, what is the, the cure, the remedy, the, the way out of this terrible situation. Um, and and that's, where, that's where you get the really nice performances, just seeing that kind of slow realization that he, he can't save things. So, yeah. So let's take a look at a clip from Maggie. Spent two weeks out there looking for me. Yeah. I made a promise to your mother that I will protect you. Yeah, but what about you guys? What if I hurt you? Worry. Caroline and I have no precautions. You shouldn't have brought me back. So Arnold, one of the things that's striking about that scene is that it's actually fairly physical in terms of, you know, you, you sit down, you stand up, you say just a couple of lines of dialogue, but a lot of it is, is the way that things register on your face. And I can only imagine the contrast from going from that sort of performance to then doing Terminator right afterwards. Do you have a different sense of this kind of production now? I mean, it, was it exciting to try something, you know, that was completely different like this? Well, I, I have been part of little movies uh, in, in the past and that were small budgets. Um, but I think in this movie, I definitely had to kind of like stretch everything. Whatever I've done in the past, I had to do uh, different things and it was a different story altogether. It's like going from um, action movies into comedy when I did Twins. That was totally different, the rhythm and uh, of the dialogue and the way the scenes were and my relationship with Danny and all of that was kind of quite different than all the other stuff that I've done. And the same was with this here. 
um, you know, this is a kind of, you have to really get deep inside of yourself and then really, um, you know, imagine it being your daughter. And Abigail has done, you know, the girl has done a terrific job with her acting to act as real as possible. As a matter of fact, I really never got the feeling that she was acting. I many times, or most of the time, got the feeling that, that this is real. And I think that's much more powerful because then you don't have to act, you just react to that and, and be as real as possible. And, um, you know, I think that uh, it's very rewarding then when you see the scenes and when you see the movie and when it comes out and you see the response just to the trailer that the people really responded to it more so than any other trailer that I've ever had of any other movie. And um, so it's, 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 it's kind of nice to also be part of a, uh, like Tribeca Film Festival. We're going from here to the Tribeca Film Festival and we have been in a Toronto Film Festival. Then of course the studio pulled it out because they felt that the, the visual effects were not ready yet. But I mean, to be accepted in all those film festivals, that has never happened to me in any of the uh, past movies either. So uh, it's, it's, I think, a whole new breakthrough when it comes to acting, just like it was doing the Terminator and for the first time really being accepted uh, you know, as a villain. Uh, in a movie and someone that is playing, not relying on the muscles, but you know, kind of on the acting, or the breakthrough in Twins uh, with, as a comedy. This is kind of a new breakthrough for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And before we go to another clip, Henry, we should also address the one actress who's not here. You mentioned her performance, which is Ab Abigail Breslin. A lot of people may have noticed her first with Little Miss Sunshine, which is an entirely different universe from what we see here, where she's sort of translated into teen angst mode. And really, in some ways, the anchor of, of the struggle of the movie, because you see her go through this transformation. So tell us a little bit about working with her to sort of convey what it's like to turn into a zombie in a, in a way that's actually grounded in some very real emotions. Well, I think what Abigail brings to it, as Arnold says, is she immediately puts herself in that role. So she comes, it's, she, it's incredibly natural for her. She comes in, puts herself as a teenager, going through all the teenage stuff. She played a version of, um, that she took from herself, from her own characteristics, from her own personality. And then by adding the slow change of the zombie, I think because we were doing it slowly and progressively, she was able to like gradually increment it. And by applying the makeup, it kind of put her in that character as well. So I think mentally she was able to kind of understand how far along she was, the level of makeup she was in, and then layering that with her own personality and her own very natural acting style meant that it kind of all came together well. So let's take a look at another clip. You actually have to see the movie to figure out how that situation is resolved, but it's a good window into the conflict that's taking place there because the backstory is that those people were supposed to be locked up. They weren't supposed to be yeah. wandering around. There's this sort of 
social political context to the, to the way the government tells people to react when their loved ones are bitten, um, which raises the question of the politics of the film and this sort of overall outlook, because it's not an overtly political film like a lot of movies that deal with zombies and other kind of imaginary diseases are. At the same time, you do see this sense of this institutional responsibility and the flaws therein. So tell us a little bit about that. I mean, how, how, in what sense is this a political movie from your perspective? Uh, from my perspective, not. I mean, it's uh, it suddenly, as you were describing that, I suddenly got the idea of some kind of horrible libertarian, like, we're going to do everything by ourselves and we're not going to involve the government. And that terrifies me. And I think if, uh, you know, with that in mind, I think it is possibly uh, comments on the fact that with, uh, you know, the government is there to support you. It's not there to kind of take away from you and it's not there to... It's, it's there to help you in everything you do, help with your decisions, help with everything that needs to happen. And so I think, uh, if anything, it kind of plays into the fact of, yeah, you can, you, you can instinctively make good decisions, but you know, someone will be there to help you out and you know, search out for it and you will get it. I mean, there are solutions that are around, but it also highlights a problem of when stuff like this happens, nobody's truly prepared and um and so I, th I think it puts us in a in a nice situation of when you see the hysteria when ebola happened uh and everybody's going crazy and then nothing you know and, and then you get uh, people valiantly going over risking their lives to go and help in africa and then coming back and being like vilified and like imprisoned because they they might be infectious and they're not then you know and so I think there's, there's possibly a little bit of that, a little bit of saying, you know, we need to band together and, and not get hysterical when things happen and look at the bigger picture and look at, you know, concentrate on what's important, which is your family and the people around you. So Governor Schwarzenegger, do you think this is a political film? No, not at all. I think that uh, the scene that you saw here is uh, a scene that really shows the dilemma that uh, my character is in. Because here you have this zombie which is a neighbor that we have actually had a very friendly relationship with. And uh, then he got this zombie virus and all of a sudden he's wandering around out there in the forest and he should have been sent by his wife to quarantine. But of course, she's also so in love with him that she doesn't want him to go to quarantine and get killed. So now they have this dilemma. Now he's got free, broke out, and he's wandering around with his daughter who also is infected, uh, his little daughter. And uh, so here I am confronted with that situation, but at the same, and, and, and uh, you know, I don't know, should I kill him now or not? But in the meantime, I'm in the same situation because I don't want my daughter to go to quarantine. And I know that this is what she will look like in a week or two. And this is the kind of zombie she will become and very dangerous. And so that's the, the dilemma we go through. So that's it's what I said earlier, you know, when you love someone so much, it's very hard to just give them up and to say, well, that's what the rules say, that's what government says. In this case, government is not going overboard in anything. They, they just create this quarantine, they create the hospital, they try to get people in there so they get less people get infected or bitten and stuff like that. So it is a, I would say not a political, not at all, uh, to any kind of, you know, one way or the other. It's just, you know, government plays here a good role, they do their job, the police does their job, everyone is working together, except when people get infected, family members, you know, you just can't let them go. And that's, that's what it is about. That's what the, the, this scene is all about. 
So before we open it up to an audience Q&A, one of the things that I think could happen when you show a film like this at, say, a Tribeca Film Festival where there's lots of other first-time directors, people making short films and so forth, their reaction might be, oh, Arnold's doing indies now, so maybe I should send him my script. So you, you talked a little bit about this sort of breakthrough of sorts doing a movie like this. Do, do you feel like you might be more open to other kinds of projects from first-time filmmakers? I mean, is there, is there a good way for people to get on your radar along those lines? Well, I've done, I think, plenty of independent movies in the past that everyone knows that uh, I don't shy away from independent movies. As a matter of fact, some of the biggest movies uh, were independent movies and some of the small movies were independent movies. And, um, and then I've done a lot of movies with studios and the, the traditional studio movies. As a matter of fact, one of my first uh, movie was, you know, Conan the Barbarian, one of the big international movies. Um, thank you. Uh, but that was a kind of a combination with Dina De Laurentiis and Ed Pressman were producing the movie. And uh, Universal Studio uh, was basically owning the project and releasing the project. So it was a combination of an, an independent production company and the studio working together. So that was the, my first big uh, uh, move forward in my career, I would say. And, uh, but after that, I did uh, you know, several independent movies. And, uh, and uh, like I said, Terminator had a budget of $6.5 million only. I mean, think about that, Terminator 1, $6.5 million. And uh, we many times, I remember, went out and shot uh, illegally without permits and stuff like that. You know, we would just put the parker car somewhere in, 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 in Hollywood on the street. And then I would, uh, and, and the, the crew would be behind it in another car and would set off the explosion of the window. And I would just walk across as the Terminator. I get out of the car and walk across <laughs> as, a, you know, as the Terminator, you know, through the traffic and everything like this. And then just go to the window, boom. They exploded the window, punched the thing through, ripped the steering thing off, and then sat in there and drove off. You know, so that was totally with no permits, without anything. So we've done many scenes like that on Terminator because we didn't have the money to do, to do it any other way. And uh, the same was with this movie. We were struggling all the time, you know, and uh, it, I think that, that that's what happens when you have small budget movies. But it's fun to do it this way because the whole crew works together in a different way. It's the difference between amateur athletes that are doing it just for the love of the sport versus professional athletes. Then it becomes a totally different mentality because everything then becomes about money and what is your value on the, on the court or in a ring or whatever. So it becomes a different mentality. So this was kind of like you know, doing a movie where everyone was passionate, the camera assistant was passionate, the focusing guy was passionate, the guy that puts the, pulls the cables, uh, the electric cables, everyone was really passionate about the project. So when you ask them, could we work an extra half an hour, or can we uh, push the lunch time a little bit, it was immediately nuts like that. There was no one kind of like raising hell about it. So it was a great, great atmosphere. So there's something to be said about small movies, independent movies, and of course, very, very difficult for a director, you know, and, this, and I'm the producer also of this film. And I think that my main responsibility, I didn't see just to sort out the financial situation of the movie, but to really sort out and make sure that this director, who was a first time director, gets protected so that he can actually make his vision 
become a reality without anyone interfering and trying to be a smart ass about it and say, no, I know better. This is the way you should shoot this scene, which I hate when that happens. First they hire a director, and then all of a sudden they want to direct the director. You know, I have no patience for things like that. So I wanted to make sure that he comes over here from England, does his job, and, and, and can really say, you know, just like me, only in America. Here you can really go and make your vision become a reality because this is the land of opportunity. And there's, and there's no one better to protect you. You're right, exactly. Yeah. I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> it would be a mic drop moment if yeah. you didn't, we weren't wearing yeah. it. Um, so we can open it up to an audience Q&A. After, Termi um, after Terminator Genesis, will you make another um, Terminator? Well, um, Terminator 5 is coming out. It's called Terminator Genesis. It's coming out on the July 4th weekend. Uh, so this was the great thing about going from this project, which was a little movie and a very dramatic roar, then to go to the next movie where then you have the huge uh, beyond kind of uh, fight scenes and battle scenes and uh, chase scenes and visual effects, special effects and all of this stuff. So it was a totally different scale. Uh, that, that movie was like, you know, the budget I know, was like 150, 170 million dollars of Terminator 5. And uh, it, was, uh, it was fun uh, to go from a small movie like this, a dramatic role, then to a big movie like that. Uh, but, you know, Terminator 5 is coming out on July 4th weekend, and our movie is coming out on May 8th. Uh, so it will be on limited uh, release in uh, cities all over the, the United States, and also video on demand. Arnold, now this is more different than most of the movies you usually do, but what would you say, I know you talked about it a little bit, but the biggest challenge into getting a, of a more serious role of this nature, and someone like yourself who started out from more of a like, humble beginning, what, what kept you going over the years? Like, what was the one thing that made, like, just fueled your drive? Well, I think that the number one thing is that you have to know exactly where you're going. So my vision was very clear that I wanted to uh, become a bodybuilding champion, and I wanted to come to America. I wanted to get into movies. I wanted to make millions of dollars. And I wanted to be the greatest. And I want to be rich and famous. So, exactly. So uh, he has a shirt that says, Arnold is numero uno. Uh, yes, uh, so this is a shirt that was in Terminator. No, not Terminator, in Pumping Iron. Pumping Iron, exactly. Um, but anyway, uh, so I was very clear about what my vision was. and I shared that with everybody to make a commitment uh, so I don't deviate from that, but just stay, uh, stay focused. The second most important thing was that I never paid any attention to the naysayers. Because immediately when I said I want to be Mr. Universe, they said, you're crazy. <laughs> it's an American sport. In Austria, you can be a ski champion or bicycle champion or something like this, but not a bodybuilding champion. That's an American sport. You're nuts. It would never happen. When they said, I want to go to America, they said immediately, no, you will never get over there. What do you think? They're waiting for you over there with open arms? Yeah, that's a good one. He says, forget that. And I remember when I came over here and I said to agents and studio executives, I wanted to be a, a leading man. It was the same thing. as says, look, your body is too big. Uh, you know, Dustin Hoffman and uh, Woody Allen and uh, those guys are in now in the 70s, but big guys are not in, so you're out. 
and uh, you have an accent, so that doesn't work. People want to hear uh, kind of like a John Wayne, uh, Wayne uh, voice, uh, but not uh, or Clint Eastwood, but not you. And then the, the, the name Schwarzen, Schnitzler, whatever the name is, uh, you know, uh, that doesn't work either because no one knows how to pronounce it. So, yeah, so I had to really make sure that I paid no attention to the naysayers. I always stayed focused. I worked very hard, which is another one of the rules is work your butt off. You know, it's like uh, uh, Ted Turner said, early to bed, early to rise, work like hell and advertise. You know, so that was, uh, that was my, my rule always. And so, so this is the things you have to do in order to stay focused and then and to just grind it out. Uh, because uh, this is, as I said, the best place. You know, it's probably much harder to do something like this in Austria or in Italy or anywhere else or in China, wherever else. It is in America, things are possible. It is the land of possibilities and the land of opportunity. And so I've seen it firsthand that people embrace those things, uh, you know, they, 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 they encouraged you all the time, even though people didn't believe always your dreams and your goals. But uh, so I think to stay focused is the most important thing. You know, in sports, in tennis, in golf, in all the sports, they say, keep your eye on the ball. And that's exactly what I've always done. I kept my eye on the ball. I kept my eye on my career and on my, my vision. Okay. Hello. Um, while you were filming Maggie, can you describe your daily process as an actor? Did you rehearse a lot? Did you stay in character the whole day? And secondly, do you, you've accomplished so much in your life. Um, is there anything still on your bucket list? Thanks. Well, um, f first of all, we uh, did a lot of rehearsing. And the reason for that is, is because when you have little money, you don't have much time to improvise and to kind of like, uh, well, let's just see what happens. You know, that you can do in a big movie, but in a small movie like this, is they literally have a time schedule, like kind of a school, where they say, okay, from eight to nine, we shoot this scene. And then we move on and do the scene out in the hallway in the hospital. And then at 11 o'clock we move on and go outside. There's the perfect sun position and we shoot the outside scene. And this is how you move around. So you can't fall behind. You don't have the luxury to do that. And you have to stay on schedule. Otherwise you cannot shoot it in five weeks. So that was really the, this, all the money you have. So you have to be very disciplined about that. So yes, we rehearsed a lot so that when we got to the set and worked, we really could you know, kind of nail it and, and, and get it done. The great thing also is about it is when you have good actors, it makes it all so much easier to do that. Because like I said, Abigail or the other actors, they really made you feel like you are really in this situation. And so that the, uh, the, the whole process then became much easier to do. So that's the, that question. The other question that you had was the bucket list. Um, I think that, uh, you know, 40 some years ago, I, got, I went on that crusade to promote health and fitness. Because I always felt kind of, okay, now I'm a world champion in bodybuilding, I'm the greatest bodybuilder, but now how can I motivate others to do the same thing? I feel great about training, I feel really that I get healthy and fit, and I wanted everyone else to get healthy and fit around the world. And we were very successful with this crusade. You know, there's more health food stores now, there's more equipments being sold for working out, there's more gymnasiums in the world than ever before. Every hotel that you check in the day, there's a gymnasium where you can work out, and all of this stuff, more magazines are being sold. So it's really been successful. We are not 100% there, but we have been very successful. Now my crusade is the environmental crusade, because I want to make sure 
that we lower that number because when you think about that there's seven million people that die every year because of pollution because we're still using fossil fuels we have to get off fossil fuels slowly and we have to get into renewable energy and create a green and renewable future for our world and it has nothing to do do you believe in global warming or not believe in global warming we are killing seven million people in america alone two hundred thousand people that is more than on traffic accidents and homicides suicides people that die in the wars and all of those things that so think about that. So this is why I feel that I can use my uh, star power and, and going out and convincing people to go in that direction. And I've just come back from China where I held some environmental speeches over there and where we are working with a big company to create the LED lights so that they can all change their light bulbs, which saves you a lot of 70% of the energy and therefore also of the money and all kinds of things like that. So it's a big undertaking, but I think that with all the environmental communities and environmentalists and, uh, and, and people that believe in that, I think that we can turn the clock back like we are doing in California. In California, when I was governor, we passed laws that is reducing our greenhouse gases and we are rolling it back to the 1990 level. Uh, and this is what we need to do in the whole world. So that's my new crusade, my new bucket list. Hi, uh, Governor Schwarzenegger. Uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to meet you. My name's Scott Yeager. I'm a lifelong fan, as uh, probably everybody here grew up watching your movies every single year, looking forward to them, seeing those trailers, getting excited about them. And then, obviously, you, you took a few years off from the, from the movies to do something, if I might say it's fairly important. Um, and now you're back, making movies again. So I want to ask you, what's one thing that you learned about acting from your time in politics? Well, I didn't think that I learned anything about acting other than I realized that acting and politics is pretty much the same thing. <laughs> and, um, and what I mean exactly uh, with that is that in both cases, you totally rely on people. If you want to be successful in politics, if you want to pass an initiative, if you want to pass a law, or whatever it is, you've got to get the people behind it, and then you can do it. Like in California, I got the people behind it. Anything that I couldn't get done through the legislature, we then put on a ballot and we had the people approve it. If it is the political reforms to get open primaries or the redistricting reform or the uh, you know, stem cell research, the $3 billion for stem cell research, all of those things, or building our infrastructure and all of those things. So it is, you need the people to buy in. And without the people, you have nothing. Because you are serving the people so therefore, they, you need their help and their support. The same is in acting. If I don't have the people, that's why the first thing I always do is I thank the fans. Because if you don't have the fans, and if you don't have the people going and showing up at your movie, you have nothing. Yes. The only way you can be a star is when you have the fans out there and when you have the people supporting you. That's what makes you a star. Other than that, there is no star. So therefore, in both politics and in the movies and show business, you need to connect with the people and you need the people in order to make you successful. That's what they have in common. Okay. Um, Arnold, I find you fascinating in a lot of the ideas that you've expressed because they don't cover any one expected result. Do you have some, uh, some unexpected things that you're planning, like some new books or writing a movie of your own or uh, uh, working with people that we've not thought of that you would be working with that you can tell us about here tonight? Um, no, I have no plans to do something, you know, kind of unusual. I mean, I, I want to do more movies. I am uh, right now uh, looking at uh, another Conan movie, uh, which, uh, 
which Universal Studios wants me to do, and uh, they want me also to do uh, another sequel uh, to Twins, uh, which will be called Triple Triplets. Uh, so, it, so there will be, you know, movies, comedies, uh, dramatic roles, hopefully more dramatic roles. Hopefully I work uh, again uh, with him together. I mean, Henry has been such a great experience, uh, you know, and uh, I, of course, uh, wish Henry also great luck because I know that he's getting a lot of attention now because this movie is, you know, getting a lot of sizzle and uh, some good reviews with the, uh, with the trailers and all that. And hopefully the other reviews will be great. Uh, so I wish him also the best of luck so that he, his career takes off and he can do many more movies, uh, the kind of movies that he wants to do. So that, that's really what my goal is. Now Maggie is actually the only upcoming uh, project you have in the next couple of weeks because it opens May 8th. Um, that's right, yeah. And then it will also be on, on VOD and in theaters. So even though it's playing tonight at the Tribeca Film Festival, there's another step involved in making this movie a success. It's really good and people should check it out. So thanks for coming out here to promote it. Absolutely. Thank you, Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you.